0: I am a Brit, won't you give me an Emmy? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Is it pronounced me more or is it Dare Me?
0: Very exciting news since uh, the last time we podcasted. And uh, I'm not talking about my new podcast, it's even better than me launching a new podcast. Ollie Mann has launched a new human being.
1: Yes, but unlike you, Helen, I haven't had to find a new partner to do it. Uh, he's called Toby. Lovely. We named him after my favourite Sunday carvery. And,
2: uh, <laughs>
0: Martin was almost named Toby. I was
2: almost called Toby. Were you? Yeah. I used to really dislike the name because I associated it with uh, Toby Jugs, which I find very ugly. But uh, more recently, I've met a very nice man called Toby. And now I'm like, yeah, Toby's a good name. That's all it took. Well, Harvey's choice of
1: brother name was Baby Lion. That's what he wanted well, him to be called. Well,
0: uh, yes. <laughs> Are you going to go for Baby Lion as a middle name?
1: <laughs> no, middle name is Stanley after my father.
0: Oh, That's nice. Which uh, derives from the Greek baby lion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, actually, I, I do have a tip that I can share for any prospective parents of second children um, where the first child is toddler age, um, which is the same tip that everyone gives you, but I can just validate that it is absolutely true. Mm. Get your first child a gift from the newborn baby.
0: Right, even though the newborn baby... Doesn't
2: have a credit card.
0: Yeah, and hasn't been to the shops yet.
1: They just don't think like that. (laughs) Twelve-year-olds probably think like that. But at three and a half, Harvey didn't think through the process of, oh, how did Toby, minutes after being yanked from his mother's womb, (laughs) manage to go on Amazon and order a Dell's food truck from Playmobil the movie? He just thought, wow, it's Dell's food truck from Playmobil the movie. That's exactly what I wanted. How did Toby know?
0: This kid really understands me already. Yeah. <laughs> and it really works. God, children are easy to game. <laughs> How is it second child versus first child?
1: It's not as dramatic a shift in lifestyle as the first because you've already ruined your life, haven't you? So getting up at 5am for a feed is not that big a deal. Ugh. It's interesting, the media that I want to consume at that time of the day is very different to what I watch the rest of the time. Uh, I've been watching some of the weird, like, goddy channels on Sky. Whoa, why? You know, the gospely ones. They're just kind of compelling um some of them are fundraising which is interesting like it'll be like four people sitting around a kitchen table with a piece of paper they hold up to the camera saying give us money now if you support our work and some of them are based around things that i like like country music but then there's jesus in it um and then the other thing that i've been enjoying is the hairy bikers
0: never into the hairy bikers before
1: not my preferred culinary choice normally no but working well at 5 a.m <laughs> it's exactly the right level of uh, cerebral demand
0: right what if this is uh really infiltrating Toby's mind already, and uh he is a country rocking Christian just waiting to hatch
1: I wouldn't be surprised if something is because I'm not giving him any eye contact? That's the other bad thing i, I wish I wish I- this wasn't true, but I have to be honest with the second one because you know that basically nothing happens for eighteen months. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I can't be bothered to talk to him and stuff. I know you're supposed to because he's learning all the time and he's understanding how to eat and how to breathe and how to look at you. His
0: neural pathways are being formed know, by your linguistic interactions I know, you now. Get, you
1: get fucking nothing back. <laughs>
0: just because you get nothing back doesn't mean it's not important.
1: I'm choosing to use my children as an experiment, Helen. We'll find out, won't we, whether there's a difference between the one we spoke to incessantly or the one that I just stuck in front of a bottle whilst I watched Harry Bikers. <laughs>
0: I grew up the crowd thinks the Harry Bikers are his real daddy. <laughs>
1: Uh, another thing about their so they, their current series is them uh, motorbiking around route 66 and trying out sort of junk food basically mm-hmm. it's quite interesting because if you watch the series as a box set uh, you notice that their friendship is seriously under strain by episode 3 oh. I don't know what happened behind the scenes but like episode 1 they're in Chicago they're so excited they're like yeah let's start an adventure yeah and they're like finishing each other's sentences and having a laugh and by episode 3 you can just see that they are just uh, something's happened they don't want to be there anymore they're bored of Missouri certainly
0: have you checked the tabloids for Harry Biker's seismic fallout stories?
1: I haven't. Like like many thoughts that occur to you at five in the morning, it doesn't get vocalised the rest of the day. I mean, this is the first time I've said any of these things out loud.
0: <laughs> they could just be tired. Yeah. The travelling and the filming.
1: I, I think that's it. Yeah. I'm not sure they necessarily... I don't think like, you know, one slept with the other one's partner or anything. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're, they're a bit bored of each other by that point in the filming.
0: Maybe they've never liked each other.
1: Maybe they don't even like bikes.
0: They're scared of bikes.
1: Maybe they don't even like facial hair. It's just they got out of bed looking like that one day and the TV producer was like, you look amazing. This is such a great look. And now they're stuck with it.
0: It's your look, guys. I'm sorry. Can't give up the bikes or the beards. It's hairy bikers, (laughs) not smooth-faced walkers. (laughs) Exactly.
3: Hi, Helen, Ollie and Martin. This is Pete from Hertfordshire. But I have a question about Cornwall. A few years ago, I was staying in Penzance with a lovely old gent. And we were having a conversation about the famous rhyme... When I was going to St Ives, I met a man with seven wives. He told me that this St Ives stanza was only the first verse of a much longer poem and that there were several subsequent verses, each one about a different location near to Penzance called St Something. He even started to tell me the second verse, which apparently goes, When I was going to St Earth, I met a woman giving birth but I don't think he ever got to the end of it. Now, I've had a look online, and there are lots of places called St Something in that area. There's a St Earth, a St Just, a St Hilary, and quite a few others as well. But I can't find any mention of the additional verses, but I'd really like to know what they are. So Helen and Ollie answer me this. What are the extra verses of When I Was Going to St Ives', And also, what do you think is the correct answer to the original riddle?
0: Well, I think either you were being straightforwardly bullshat, or maybe locally they have developed extra verses because they're like, hey, we're in this famous maths riddle rhyme. You would, wouldn't you?
1: If you were from St Ives uh, pre-Tate Gallery, you'd think, well, what are we known for? As I was going to St Ives, that's what we're known for.
0: Yeah, but there are other St Iveses. There's no specification that they were going to the Cornish St Ives. They could be going to St Ives in Cambridgeshire.
1: (laughs) What's in St Ives in Cambridgeshire that would merit a rhyme or a riddle even?
0: I don't know. In this case, maybe a cat festival.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just to answer that bit, actually, before we proceed on this uh, vagaries of whether or not there are extra verses... Uh, the bit about what's the riddle the, the answer to the riddle yeah. is just one person is going to St Ives it's the I isn't it as I was going to St Ives I met a man with seven wives
0: no wait I take issue with all of this right so the version of the riddle we have now is as I was going to St Ives I met a man with seven wives every wife had seven sacks every sack had seven cats right. every cat had seven kits kits cats sacks wives how many were going to St Ives so the
1: solution to the riddle is Irrelevant thing, irrelevant thing, irrelevant thing. Are you still no. going to St Ives? Yes, you are. That's the answer.
0: Not necessarily, because when you're going, okay, so seven wives times seven yeah. times seven, and everyone's like, ha ha, no, because it's just the narrator. Yeah. They're going to St Ives, yeah. but there's no evidence that they met the people going the other way.
1: No, yeah. but that's the whole point. There's no evidence they are going to St Ives. There's
0: no evidence that they're not going to St Ives.
1: Yes, I know. <laughs> the point is, you, you, you don't know. The, okay, a correct answer could be we can't correctly identify how many people are going to St. Ives from this riddle.
2: Not enough data. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Given that each of these women is carrying 49 adult cats and 343 kittens, they're probably going slowly enough for the narrator to catch up to them. Mm. And I fucking yeah. hope that whoever this polygamous man is that they're married to. Is also carrying a heavy burden because is it even humanly possible to carry that many felines? And are the kittens even going to survive being crammed in a sack with forty nine adult cats?
2: How heavy do you think that would be?
0: You you work it out. Hang on. You're a scientist. And also, the man was not a feature of the earliest versions of the rhyme. They've got versions going back to about the seventeen hundreds.
1: But it always was wives, presumably.
0: Right, which just meant women Ah. uh, for a long time. As I went to St. Ives, I met nine wives and every wife had nine sacks and every sack had nine cats and every cat had nine kittens. That's the earliest version from 1730. And then there was a slightly later one. As I was going to St. Ives, upon the road, I met seven wives. I would have gone with on the road, I met seven wives. It's slightly scantony difficult. So maybe that's why they added the man. But then you're like, well, what man in England has been allowed to have seven wives, by the modern definition of wife. Well,
1: maybe they're not in England, though. Maybe they're in Arabia on the way to and Ives.
0: Maybe. If each
2: woman was carrying 49 cats, the average weight of a cat is about four kilos, so that'd be 200 kilos.
0: And then how, how heavy is a kitten?
2: Well, I haven't got that for you, hang on. The,
0: the ways that people calculate it, there's a bit of variation. So in each sack carried by the wives, there is 56 felines, which means that each carrying 392 felines times seven for the Seven Wives, that's 2,744. And then if you add the nine humans, that's Seven Wives, the narrator and the man, that's 2,753 living things going to St. Ives. But then a lot of people also count the sacks. I don't think that counts. Because then you've got to count like their clothes, their supplies, because presumably they're going to need sustenance. So that would be 2,802. Oh, yeah, no, because kits,
1: cats, sacks and wives, how many were going to St. Ives? So that does include the sacks.
0: Yeah, but I think no, that it's is correct to include the sacks. Well, it's
1: in the phrasing of the question.
0: Well, I don't care for it. That's not what it
1: says. It doesn't say how many we're going to St Ives. And by the way, discard some of my question if you don't care for it.
0: Well, I think questions that are more pressing are: Are the cats going to survive? No. Uh, why not. are they carrying so many cats? Is there a St Ives cat market or something?
1: But also, like, have you ever tried to put more than one cat? into any container at all.
0: Yeah, good fucking luck. Even a room.
1: <laughs> it's difficult to add a cat to if there's already right. an extant cat. I mean, certainly putting seven cats in a sack is really hard. I don't mean to be gothic, but are these cats alive? Right.
0: Or they're selling the fur at yeah. St. live's Cat Fur Market.
1: Have you located any dark history of the rhyme, Helen? Because there is often.
0: No, not really. I couldn't find out that much about this rhyme, actually, except for it being a mathematical riddle, which to me implies that there's not going to be a load of extra verses that people have just forgotten about, like most of the verses of the National Anthem. I couldn't find any evidence of different verses or of even variations, except this is a mathematical riddle that has precedent in um, one from 1550 BC wow. in the rhymed mathematical papyrus wow. found in uh, northern Egypt, which is it's not phrased the same way like a rhyme, but... It was basically like a maths textbook, this uh, script, an ancient Egyptian maths textbook with different kinds of mathematical problems in it to kind of train people up. But um, it was more like a housing inventory.
1: Does it mention cats? Could have done. They had cats in Egypt.
0: It did have cats in it. Mm. It had um, 49 cats and then mice and grains and stuff. So it was like teaching you how to multiply numbers. Right. So there are variations like that, but I couldn't find a continuation of this. And also it's just too much maths, too much riddle, too irritating.
1: I'd forgotten all about as I was going to St. Ives until uh, quite recently, Harvey got into his nursery rhymes book. Mm. Weirdly, like despite, he's got the full library of Julia Donaldson, you know, but the thing that he chooses is this nursery rhymes book. And I'm kind of torn on it because I think it's all bollocks. Like, why am I singing Ring a Ring of Roses? You know, it's it's 2019. But he likes it. Like, he likes the stuff that's got that rhythm and also sometimes the shock punchline. Like, he is on the mm. floor laughing with Michael Finnegan.
0: But it really sticks as well. Yeah, it really sticks. It sticks. in your mind forever. And
1: exactly. And, like, so reading these, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. And then suddenly you remember it again for another 20 years.
0: But you might think it's pointless, but this is how he's acquiring language.
1: No I, 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 no, I used to think it was pointless, but now I can see it. I can see it's all about the rhythm, essentially. But then the danger with that is, as the reader, you start doing them blind. You know, you don't look down to see what's this one about. Um, because they're all the same, you know. Five fat peas in a pea pod press. One grew, two grew. They're all like that. Uh, and I got to one the other day we were reading. Do you know Solomon Grundy? Yeah. And he born on a Monday. Go on.
0: Dead on Sunday. Right.
1: I started, I was doing the same tone as everything else. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. <laughs> doing that sort of jolly speed, you know. Christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday... Grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. That's the rhyme.
0: It was like an early version of Seven Days by Craig David. But
1: it was difficult to read that to a three-year-old with a real emphasis of fun. Because I suddenly realised, is this about infant mortality? Is it literally a child that's born on the Monday and then dies at the end of the same week?
0: He's married on Wednesday. But that's it, right, yeah. two-day-old baby is getting married?
1: Well, but this is, I was wondering... Then you think, okay, it's about an old man who's died on the Sunday. It's just coincidence that all the significant days of his life have fallen on different consequential days. So you can say, this thing happened on a Monday.
2: So it's different days of the week, but they're different years. Yeah, basically.
1: exactly. I mean, obviously, really, it's just a way of learning the days of the week, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And also that we're all going to die.
1: And I applaud both those things. <laughs> but it's just, it gives you pause when you get to that innate darkness at the end. Also, we did one the other day. Do you know Teddy Bear, Teddy Bear? Teddy bear, teddy bear, touch the ground. Teddy bear, teddy bear, turn around. Do
2: you know that one? was like Cardi B's song.
1: You know, you do the actions. And what I liked about it was we were doing the actions, touch the ground, turn around. And then it goes, teddy bear, teddy bear, walk upstairs. We pretended to walk upstairs. And then it goes, teddy bear, teddy bear, say your prayers. Mm. And it got to prayers. And Harvey literally had no idea what the action for that would be. And I was so proud
0: yeah yeah. can you change it to like teddy bear teddy bear wear some flares
1: well we did it i got down on my knees and and i did a sort of christian style prayer put my hands together and he did it laughing but he had absolutely no concept.
0: yeah but you've introduced him to the concept now he's polluted well
1: yeah but he doesn't know what it means he has no concept of god or football it's bliss
2: (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) that's the that's the britain i want to say If
3: you've got a question,
2: then
3: email your question to want to be this podcast at googlemail.com this this
1: Well, here's a question from Mark who says, "I had a date with this guy yesterday and it was absolutely lovely." Yay! Good so far. He is one of the most adorable guys I've ever met. Aww. Lovely personality. We have a lot of interests in common. Everything about him is amazing. You can tell this is building to an except, can't you? Here it is. Mm-hmm. Except I don't find him physically attractive.
0: Aww. Them's the brakes.
1: Now, I know this shouldn't be a problem, shouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, isn't that biology sending you a signal to think about?
0: I can just stiffen my upper lip and uh, <laughs> think of uh, the young Luke Perry.
1: <laughs> and everything in me wants to make it not a problem. I don't want to be a complete superficial asshole, but my brain can't seem to keep these thoughts out. Helen, what do I do?
0: I don't think this is unusual, is it? There might be a lot of people that you meet where you think, on paper, this person is the one. But if you're not feeling it, I think it's pretty hard to lie to yourself, isn't it? That's right. Although there is the possibility, like when you've had one date with someone, presumably there is a lot that you're trying to assess at the same time. Whereas like if you meet someone and sparks fly, it's a lot easier to think, oh yeah, there's uh, there's something in this.
1: I mean, this is actually speaking up in a way for, I don't know how Mark met this guy, obviously, but this is speaking up in a way for, for Tinder and Grindr and apps where you can physically see someone before you meet them. Because people often dismiss that, don't they? And say, well, you should find out what you've got in common uh, and you know, not judge people on how they look. But this is the flip side of that coin, isn't it? They might have met on eHarmony and found out they had exactly matched interests, but if he doesn't fancy him, it's not a goer.
0: But they might already know what each other looked like before they went on the date, but he's still not feeling the physical attraction. He might be like, well, mentally, I totally get this, but physically, I don't want to bone him. I mean,
1: surely the solution to this is be friends. Like, if you've got lots of interests in common, be friends. You don't have to have sex with each other. You don't have to be romantic.
0: But I suppose, like, if it were a film... You would have two people who were friends and seemed only to be friends and then towards the end of the penultimate act.
1: Let's cast this. Let's cast this. Who's playing Mark? Ben Whishaw?
0: Oh, yeah. Lovely choice.
1: Okay. So he's obviously already quite physically attractive in that boyish way. And then he meets a guy who he doesn't fancy. Like, really likes him on paper but doesn't fancy him in person. Who plays that man?
0: Like Dev Patel, maybe?
1: Oh, I think... He's a bit too good looking. I was thinking David Mitchell.
0: It's a romantic comedy. So they just need to be like the most handsome person you've ever seen, but wearing glasses.
1: I see what you mean.
0: And their hair's parted in the wrong side.
1: Okay, okay. So Dev Patel in Skins rather than Dev Patel in Lion. Got it. <laughs> and then he he turns into Dev Patel in Lion in the final scene, like like right. Sandra D. So
0: you're yeah, like, they've been, they've been friend, friend zoning <laughs> each other for months, and then suddenly something happens and... It flips a switch and and love happens. I don't know how much this relates to reality. I'd imagine it's plenty of people's experience, but not necessarily going to be Mark's experience. But I do think Mark could go on another date with him and maybe like something relatively informal, maybe not an evening date and just see, see if it feels like a definite friends thing or a definite nothing thing or whether you think I could stomach a third date. But if you look at him and you're just like, I'm never going to want to touch him in the intimate places, then I don't think you can really lie to yourself or him about that.
1: As much as anything, the thing that Mark's getting at is he can't really necessarily lie to that guy about it either. Like, how does he explain? Like, they're clearly hitting it off. How does he explain he's not really feeling it? Some people end up in marriages because they can't say that. <laughs>
0: What Mark could say is like, oh, I'd really like you to meet my friend. I think uh, you might really hit it off with each other. Mm. Suggesting that Mark's not interested, but does think highly of the person he's been on this date with. Perhaps?
1: In the film, it would be a love triangle, wouldn't it? He'd, he'd go with someone else that he did fancy, who ah. turned out to be an asshole. And right. then you think, ah, should have been with Dev Patel all along.
0: Right. It's like uh, the film Friends with Kids where Adam Scott goes off and has a fling with Megan Fox, which means Jennifer Westfeld realises that he, her friend, was actually the one all along. Right. And then it's awkward.
1: I mean, I think a lot of men have a free pass with Megan Fox, you know, according to their long-standing relationship. So I'm not sure you can blame
2: him for that. I also don't think that plot is... Specific to that film, that seems like the plot of almost every romantic comedy made since about nineteen ninety. Yeah,
0: I don't know why that was the one that sprang to mind. It's very much not a particularly rem- memorable film. But is Mark saying, "Am I bad for only finding a good-looking person attractive?"
1: Well, if he is, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't feel that way. That we're programmed to feel this way.
0: But also, a lot of people are good-looking to other people. So yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just your taste. It's just your taste. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you look at plenty of couples where you're like, well, I wouldn't, but they found each other and they're probably not sick at the sight of each other. Well,
1: uh, yeah, but you see, therein lies the rub. He's probably thinking, when you look at those couples where there's at least one of them who I deem to be physically unattractive, did the other person in the relationship feel that way initially? And then, because they love them so much, grow to find them physically attractive, and could that happen for me?
0: Right, well, that's what I'm saying. Attempt a second date. Fine. And that might clarify your thoughts. Okay, agree. Maybe even a third date if it can be, if both dates you can kind of situate so that you're hedging as to whether they are romantic dates, which is why I think a uh, daytime dates would be the way to go.
1: Yeah, and actually you say daytime, I mean, it's important that there's good lighting because then you will come to a firm conclusion about whether or not you fancy him. Like if you're in a place that's very dark, you could be lured into thinking you did find him attractive.
0: We've all been uh, misled by our loins when it's very dark. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Okay, (laughs) here's a question from an anonymous person who says, My ex-boyfriend has a lipstick fetish, which I had never heard of prior to him telling me about it, but it worked out pretty well because I have, if I'm being completely candid, very nice lips, even from a non-fetishistic view, and a truly absurd lipstick collection, triple digits. Unfortunately, despite the fact that I could fulfil his every fantasy by producing whatever lipstick his heart desired, he was an arrogant, self-absorbed jerk. And I'm still tender for all the reasons that come with a breakup. And now wearing lipstick isn't my fabulous shiny war paint anymore. It just makes me sad and kind of uncomfortable. Mm. I'm usually pretty good about doing the things I like out of pure stubborn cussedness. But this is proving to be a real challenge. Ollie, answer me this. How can I disconnect my favourite pretty making thing from the association with jerk face Magoo and his desires and make it my thing again?
1: I feel like time might heal this, to be honest. I mean you're putting on mm. lipstick now and it's reminding you of your lipstick fetishizing ex-boyfriend, but I imagine there'll come a point where since lipstick is one of your favourite things anyway, you will recover your own feelings as to why you enjoy lipstick and not associate it with him. Yeah. I would say to accelerate that process, you know, of time healing it anyway. Maybe just buy some new lipstick that is not one that is a colour that he's expressed a preference for or, Ooh, you know, that's yeah. of really yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, And just wear that one.
0: I'm seeing a lot of lipsticks in unusual colours on sale at the moment, like grey and green and yellow. And I do wonder whether those are more aimed at people who like wearing lipstick than people who are turned on by lipstick. And so could you go around wearing grey or blue lipstick without being reminded of the times that he was getting you to wear it?
1: I mean, there's a different kind of sadness with wearing blue lipstick, isn't there? Which is everyone assumes you're a corpse.
0: I don't know. Some people look terrific in it. I'm not one of those people.
1: I and mean, also, she says that she's got hundreds, though, of lipsticks. So it might be that she's already got yellow and black and blue because those, mm. although to us seem exotic flavours of lipstick, probably to her, this is very entry-level stuff. It might be that you have to create something completely new, like a new look. Like, I don't know, put glitter on it or something? Fake moustache. <laughs> Something that just separates what he was into from what you're into.
0: Perhaps for a while, wear your makeup very differently. Emphasize a different feature of your face. Wear a very dramatic eyeliner, say, in bright colors. So you're not thinking, oh, my face looks undressed with no lipstick on it. And then after a while, maybe time will have healed this wound and you'll be back on the lipsticks. Or maybe you'll figure out different lipstick looks that aren't reminding you of him to go with your new mega 80s upper face look. There's a lot of kind of ugly fashions that are supposed to be man repellers that you can indulge in because they're not meant to look attractive. They're meant to look kind of tricky and strange. This is the time for those. Just Google image some pictures of Lee Bowery and copy him. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever helped your mum build a website It is the kind of torment from which there is no respite If she asks, what's a widget again? I will kill her with a rusty spike Or a brick, or a spade, or a chainsaw But
1: Squarespace is so easy, even your mum can use it She can drag and drop and cut and paste, that's all there is to it So Helen, put that spike down, I beg you For Christ's
0: sake, don't do it! Sorry mum Thanks very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. I just set up a new Squarespace website for my new podcast, Veronica Mars Investigations. And uh, I did quite a lot of research beforehand. I was like, well, you know, don't sit on your laurels just thinking Squarespace is the best one. So I looked at a lot of reviews and came to the conclusion, actually, Squarespace is the it's still the one.
1: Still the one, still the one I design with. You're still the one I flogged my merch with. You're still the one that works on iOS. <laughs> You're still the one. I think that's what she was singing about. What what template did you go with? Do you know what it was called?
0: I went with WAV. WAV. I'm, I that's might, appropriate, isn't it? I might that's try an audio out, file format. I might try out Sky.
1: I, I was quite excited the other day because I noticed there's a template called OM which is my initials. Oliver man. Yeah, but then I saw the photo of people meditating and realized it was on I'm not going to start a yoga business anytime soon.
0: You could. If Why I did,
1: not? I'd use Squarespace. <laughs> and if you'd like to play around with Squarespace's tools and design your own website, you can. There's a little sandbox feature you can have a free trial.
0: You can try it all out at squarespace.com/answer. You can kind of build your Squarespace website and before you buy, see whether you like it or not and then if you do like it, when you sign up you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain using our code ANSWER.
2: Helen and Ollie, it's Sean in Arwen in Glasgow. Say hello, Arwen.
0: Sean in Arwen in Glasgow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're watching Blue Peter. And uh, our question is, we're looking at the dog and we're thinking, where does that dog go when it's not in the TV studio? Who looks after it? There's obviously been a lot of dogs in Blue Peter. Please answer that for
1: us. How wonderful to have another reason to get in touch with my friends, Joe and Colette from the Blue Peter Press Office. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought? They've
0: got a special uh, dedicated phone line for you now.
1: <laughs> and so you may remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about the Blue Peter Appeal, and they helped me with some stats on that. Uh, so I just dialed them up. I was like, we've had this very important question. Um, where does the current dog go?
0: Iggy? Trainee guide dog puppy?
1: Actually, no. Uh, it's, oh. the, the current pet is Henry. Um, so right. Iggy is, is the penultimate Did.
0: pet. Oh. Uh, they've also got Shelly the tortoise at the moment.
1: The email I got back was, our current pet Henry came from the Dogs Trust and lives with a member of the Blue Peter production team as part of their family. They train and look after him and bring him to the studios for the show. Hmm. So there okay. you go. Not a huge surprise, but quite nice because um, you know when I worked in daytime TV and we'd frequently have pets on, they all came from like an agency. Mm. No one in the studio gets to spend any time with them or look after them. You're not allowed to touch them for insurance reasons.
0: Do they have real lives or are they just filed at the agency?
1: No, they, yeah, the agency, I guess, is a farmhouse somewhere where they do look after <laughs> the pets, yeah. But, the, the, you know, what's interesting is in this case, well, I mean, it says a member of the Blue Peter production team, maybe that's a bit of a fig leaf and, and maybe it is effectively just someone whose job that is. But the way that's written, it suggests like maybe that's someone who works in sound and takes them back home to their house, which is quite nice, isn't it?
0: But then who looks after Shelley the tortoise? Shelley was bought as company to George the tortoise, who lived from 1920 to 2004. In 1988, George caused a scare when the home where he was kept had a break-in and he went missing.
1: Do you think went missing or was stolen? Like people knowing it was a celebrity tortoise?
0: Was found by a neighbour walking her dog a few days later, so he probably just fucked off for a bit of fun. Probably,
1: yeah. I can't now relate to why, as a child, I wanted a pet tortoise. It probably was Blue Peter that did it. And, and now I just can't think what I would have done had we had a tortoise. I mean, you keep it in the garage, basically, don't you? You can't really pet it. It's not soft. It doesn't know who you are. What's the point?
0: You keep fish. It's maybe similar to fish because they just sort of move around slowly and slightly mesmerisingly. But also, they live as long or longer than humans.
1: So it's not like fish. I mean, fish, you're lucky if they get to ten. George the tortoise, the one you're talking about, died at 81 years old. For a child, it's a mad commitment to make, isn't it? You can't possibly understand whether or not you're going to be in a position to look after it into its dotage.
0: But then it's optimistic, isn't it? It's like, this this pet is also going to be an heirloom. Mm. I'm in it for the long haul. They're relatively low maintenance as well because they fuck off and hibernate all winter. Mm. You only really have to look after them about half the year.
1: Something that is understandably not on the uh, CBBC website, but is in Biddy Baxter's memoirs, is the story about Petra the dog being an emergency stand-in. Do you know that story? No. 1962, Petra, It was their first pet, made an appearance on the show and then died two days after her first appearance. Oof. So they then thought, fuck, what are we going to do? They drove around London trying to find a puppy that looked like Petra, the dog that they'd had on the telly, and then pretended that was Petra for the next 15 years. Wow. And no one spotted the difference, and no one knew that story until Biddy Baxter published her memoirs in 2008.
0: Yeah, black and white televisions at the time as well. How clearly could people see which dog was which?
1: The sad thing is, if that happened now, they'd have to fess up, wouldn't they? They'd have to say, children, that dog we introduced you to died two days later, but we're going to get a new puppy... That would traumatize potentially millions of children, and it really makes no difference. Like, they don't know the dog.
0: I don't know if it would traumatize children if you were just frank about it. <sighs> if you're like, you met Petra last time, now here's Rex. I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll never talk of her again. Just
0: like, you don't even have to be that explicit. I
1: suppose that's true. Yeah.
0: And at the time as well, you probably wouldn't have had reportage on it, whereas now you'd be a lot more likely to know if there was some behind-the-scenes thing. Yes. But I think most people wouldn't give a shit if you just made it sound not interesting and you didn't do a cover-up. Well,
1: yeah, but if you've done a big introduction to Petra, like, you've, you know, you've made this huge feature of introducing the first Blue Peter Pet, people would remember that. They would say, where's Petra?
0: Socks the cat, who was introduced in the show in 2006 was at the centre of a scandal after the programme's producers falsified the result of a viewer vote to choose the cat's name. Viewers had selected the name Cookie, but producers <laughs> changed the result to Socks.
1: Yeah, I read I read in a Telegraph article from 2008 that the reason that that was done was they feared, the producers feared, the word Cookie as a name had sexual connotations. What? Yeah.
0: What kind of sexual connotations? I, I just... What are we missing? I don't know. But then they did get a cat called Cookie to make up for the scandal. (laughs) It's a dangerously lewd. And then after Blue Peter moved to Salford, Socks and Cookie both stopped appearing regularly on the show because they lived in London and the journey was too much. Oh,
1: that's nice though, isn't it? They've considered animal welfare in the relocation. I think that's important.
0: So I guess they really do have their own pet lives and maybe they weren't kept by members of the production staff if the production staff moved with the programme, but the cats didn't.
1: Helen, have you taken the which Blue Peter dog are you quiz?
0: No, should I have?
1: Well, let's do it now. One of the best things about Blue Peter is its pets. We've had several over the years, says the website, including lots of dogs. Find out which Blue Peter dog best suits your personality. Don't worry, there's only four questions. Uh, how tall are you? Really small, average, or very tall? Mm. I think out of those, really small, but you're not. You're, you're Out of those, you're... Closer to average, probably.
0: Yeah, let's say average.
1: Average, okay. Uh, Describe your personality in one word. (laughs) You you get multiple choice.
0: This feels like a trap.
1: Uh, Enthusiastic, pioneering, or dependable? Uh, Actually, pioneering is the closest. Pioneering. Fine. (laughs) What's your most recognisable feature? Eyes, nose, or ears?
0: It's not really up to me to decide, is it? I can't see any of those things.
1: What's the third one? Eyes, nose, or ears. Helen's ears, I can't even imagine right now, so it's definitely eyes or nose. I'm going to say eyes. Say eyes, yeah. Yeah, I I think in in isolation, I'd recognise Helen's eyes.
0: Maybe my ears would be more recognisable if I was a golden retriever. Right. I feel this quiz is quite (laughs) leading. Well, yes. Do you prefer chasing balls or
1: sticks? (laughs) What is your main life goal? Is it someone makes a statue of me... A famous band writes a song about me or to greatly improve someone else's life?
0: Uh, Third one, I guess.
1: Out of those three. Which of these best describes your hair colour? Black or very dark brown, brown or blonde or red? Brown. Yes, I'd say that's probably accurate.
0: With grey bits.
1: And then the final question, uh, where do you see your career going after Blue (laughs) Peter?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, presumably you'd be fucking dead.
1: I never want to leave Blue Peter. I want to do more grown up TV or I want a job outside of Showbiz.
0: Well that's not many options.
1: Those are the options. Two. I want to do more grown up TV. Sure. Okay. Right. Your Shep. The most famous Blue Peter pet.
0: I don't remember Shep. Shep was 70s, right?
1: Yeah, John Noakes' dog, yeah.
0: 71 to 87, that is a pretty long-living dog.
1: Yeah, I say John Noakes' dog. I mean, actually, probably not. But, you know, in in the uh, fraudulent nature of TV presenting.
0: Shep left Blue Peter when Noakes departed in 1978.
1: That's you, that is.
0: So, yeah, I never saw Shep, because I was born in 1980. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, John Noakes kept Shep, even though the dog was always legally owned by the BBC.
1: Oh. Oh, okay, it was his dog, fair enough.
0: And in rules that also applied to himself under contract to the BBC, he could not use Shep for advertising or commercial purposes. Quite right. And he got paid out of the Blue Peter budget to cover Shep's costs. This is a good deal.
1: I think that's fair enough. Uh,
0: but then, apparently, after leaving the show, he was furious to discover that his dog money ceased to be paid. Because <laughs> Biddy Baxter was like, no, you've left, dog's left, fuck you. Paraphrasing. Yeah. But then, after that angry conversation, John Noakes gave up Shep, who went to live with someone else and then John Noakes did a bunch of television adverts using a dog that looked like Shep named Skip
1: Hell, Noakes you heartless twat
0: yep rough
1: rough rough indeed
0: how many social networks are you on Veebo Friendster Parkview Porn MySpace Ping and Google Buzz if you want to be our pal go to this url facebook.com slash answer me this or twitter.com slash helen and ollie but please don't follow us in real
1: life remember folks we have been cranking out this shit for nearly 13 years uh if you want to know what we sounded like when we were still in our uh, metaphorical nappies our early work is available to buy for just 79 pence per episode.
0: From store.com. that is our own store. They're also available from Apple and Amazon, but we do get more money when you buy them from us. Just FYI.
1: And also, like some of the imperative to buy them from the other places has gone now. Like It used to be like, oh, I don't want to download it on my desktop because then I can't listen on my mobile, so I'm going to buy it from Amazon. Fair enough. But nowadays, I mean, we can all use a cloud service, can't we? You've got the file on your desktop. Upload it to your phone. Give us a bit more cash. You know it makes sense.
0: Here's a question from Siobhan, who says, I'm very lucky to live in a small block of six flats where all of the neighbours get on. We are a little community. We take turns doing the bins, have a WhatsApp group and have the occasional pub socials. Recently, one of the neighbours had their bike stolen. It was locked up and behind a gate, so it was a bit of a shitter. I probably didn't help the situation by sending a link to an article I'd read which stated we live in the most burgled area of Bristol, a fact I found mildly concerning but didn't think too much more about. Now, all of the boys in the group have decided we should get CCTV, the cost of which would be expected to be split equally between the flats. I don't have a lot of spare cash. In fact, with three days until payday, I have £3.28 in my bank account. I don't particularly mind having CCTV cameras – Siobhan says I think they would look a bit naff and tacky and do Agreed. very little to prevent being burgled and I do find the idea a bit of an invasion of privacy that one of the neighbours would probably be able to watch when everyone else is coming and going I thought Siobhan had said they all get on great
1: Yeah she also said she didn't particularly mind having CCTV cameras and then went on a big rant about why she wouldn't want them
0: Well, during this paragraph, she's really convinced herself that it's getting to 1984 levels of surveillance. (laughs) I really don't want the neighbours to see my gentleman callers or see me go through the bins to properly do their recycling. It doesn't often get taken because the neighbours put things in the wrong boxes.
1: That's amazing.
0: I know, I used to do that in the old place.
1: I don't want my neighbours to see me helpfully patching up the poor job they've all done on this communal task of recycling. Why not? Why not let them see? This is a great hands-off passive-aggressive way to show them how to do the recycling and you never have to mention it cctv could be the answer for that problem
0: so ollie answer me this is there a good way to say i don't want the cctv without seeming like i'm stingy or up to no good or like you were the one who stole the bike (laughs) (laughs) um i don't really want to be the only one of the group saying i don't want the cameras so is there a good lighthearted way of saying they should reconsider
1: I don't want to be the only one in the group saying I don't want them. So what you're actually saying that you want is some kind of behind-the-scenes whip who goes around (laughs) slowly persuading other members of the WhatsApp group to follow your lead.
0: Like 12 angry men.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. I mean, I would say, Siobhan, that actually I agree with you that CCTV looks naff. And I actually think, because we could have had CCTV when we had our home extension done, like the architect wanted us to have it and talked about having it. And I feel like having it is a way of looking like you've got something worth nicking like having a really obvious camera
0: isn't that what people used to say about having a burglar alarm on the front of your house no
1: because everyone's got a burglar alarm and yes it's partly a deterrent of course it is but it's also practical when your house gets broken into you want to get the alert but i, I just think cctv suggests you've got an extra layer of stuff which actually by the way any thieves listening i don't i mean that was the i don't really have any i've got an iMac that's it really There's nothing worth nicking.
0: You've got the Costco cupboard. There could be years worth of toilet paper in there.
1: That's true, yeah. I also have uh, some Answer Me This memorabilia that people listening to this might be of some value. The T-shirt I wore in the original cover up. Um, (laughs) But anyway, um, you know, I I, 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 I just thought having CCTV was a way of signalling that we thought we had something worth nicking. And I just felt a bit uncomfortable about that. But there is an in-between solution. There always is a compromise. But in our case, we ended up getting a video doorbell Mm. because we needed to get a doorbell anyway, and it's not really obvious from the street that you've got a video doorbell, but when you get up close, it does function for me to be able to see who's coming in and out of my house, and I actually really like that now. So I just wonder if, Chivalon, you should investigate what options there are out there. Like perhaps, for example, you could get CCTV that's independently monitored, so you're concerned about everyone knowing what time you're coming home and stuff. That would only be an issue if there was a A break in. It wouldn't be that people are looking at their apps constantly, seeing you going to and from your place of fuck.
0: I stayed at a friend's house in LA where um, he's got a smart lock, so I just needed to download an app to unlock his door. But I typed in the passcode to his burglar alarm incorrectly, Uh so it set off the alarm. But he could see that from his phone on the other side of the country, and then turned off the alarm. And then about ten minutes later, (laughs) he texted me going, "I'm still watching you." Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) I didn't like that. No. But even if you have a video doorbell, that's not necessarily going to show you the approach of bike thieves. If they're not going up to your doorbell and ringing it.
1: No, but you can set it. So it, it does film everything if you set it to. You have to get a subscription, but you can see, right. you can use it like CCTV if you choose to. And it's quite discreet in that way.
0: That sounds also expensive. Is it less than £3.28 if that was each person's share out of six people?
1: Per month, yes. Probably not per year.
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now, I mean, the installation, Siobhan has not got the readies. Sure. I think you could just come clean with the people saying, it sounds like this could be a good idea, but I just can't afford it at the moment. And then see what they say. If they want it, maybe they'll go ahead and get it anyway. Uh, or maybe they'll be like, oh, sure, don't worry about it. Or maybe they'll be like, oh, we live in Bristol where a lot of people are anti-capitalist. What are we doing valuing possessions like this and sequestering off our property? <laughs> Who are we? We've betrayed Bristol.
1: I I like the idea of putting the ball back in their court, because they've unfairly made this your decision now.
0: I don't think there's any shame in saying that you don't have the money for this thing.
1: Sure. You're right. That's the easiest way out. You don't need to mention all all the other things that you claim aren't issues anyway, but then went on to expend upon them. Okay, another compromise you could do, and this is cheap because you could probably get one for 20 quid, is get a fake camera as a deterrent. But don't plug it in.
0: So you've got all the tackiness without any of the utility.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, for example, I know an elderly lady who has a fake beware of the dog sign. And that works. Like, you see postmen recoiling in fear as they get close to her mailbox.
0: Does she have one of those electronic dog barking noises?
1: No, just that. Just the sign. Puts the sign in the window. and But that's enough. That is enough for her purposes.
0: What about if you just make the front of the building look really, really unappealing? it's like when martin and i rent a car we make it look like it's not worth stealing by filling the footwells with old kombucha bottles that martin has drunk and we've not yet found a recycling bin for that's gonna stink what
1: is kombucha i had it for the first time the other day but i don't know what it is is it fermented how did it
0: go for you yeah what was the experience
2: of your first kombucha likely
1: tasted like juice that had been left out the fridge for two weeks
0: that's it it's like flat cider the next day isn't it yes
2: Yeah. yeah yeah post-party booze it's essentially fermented tea right okay
0: I've not met a kombucha that I liked.
2: (laughs) And
1: with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Answer Me This. But for us to make more, then we need your questions.
0: Yes, please. Our contact details are on our website, (laughs) answermethispodcast.com.
1: We also have plenty other podcasts for you to discover online.
0: So many. Loads. What is uppermost in the Ollie Man agenda at the moment?
1: Well, uh, actually, this month I'd like to highlight something that isn't a podcast at all, um, but it is on BBC Sounds. Uh, It's a documentary that I've made for Radio 4. Uh, It is about the history of voicemails. Uh, It's an edition of Archive on 4, and it's called Please Leave a Message After the Tone. There's some really amazing audio in there, actually. Like everything from like Fatal Attraction and Glenn Close leaving those mental messages for Michael Douglas uh, through to Scott Mills doing Flirt Divert in the noughties. Uh, But some quite profound stuff along the way as well. Like, I didn't know this existed, but in the 1940s, you could send your sweetheart a voice letter.
0: Wow. Which
1: was basically a voicemail. So you'd you'd cut your sweetheart a vinyl disc of your message and post it to them.
0: Oh,
2: that's
1: sweet. Yeah.
0: My dad used to send cassettes to his friends in South Africa. I remember him recording those Did the he? with similar principle, yeah.
1: That's amazing, yeah. Well, anyway, the, the, the whole point of the show was kind of like, it's this really precarious archive voicemails because obviously they're ephemeral. People tend to delete them, yeah. apart from us making a show out of them. <laughs> but generally speaking, people tend to delete them. But obviously there's some real gold there and they there's a level of authenticity that you get when someone leaves a voicemail, which is different to anything scripted that you normally hear on the radio. So that was the idea of the show. Anyway, like I say, it is listenable to on BBC Sounds, but it is quite hard to find on there because BBC Sounds. So mm. <laughs> uh, uh, future listeners, just Google Ollyman Archive on 4 and you'll find it. Uh, but actually, if you're listening now in October 2019, I've pinned it to my Twitter profile so you can listen to it there. Uh, Martin, what have you got?
2: Uh, I am still releasing the epic 40-song collection Year of the Bird, which I wrote whilst I was travelling around the world uh, in 2018. Uh, releasing pretty much the song a week. You can get the first three volumes, the first 30 of 40 songs uh, from palebirdmusic.com.
1: I suppose I should pick up the thread that you left uh, hanging on the floor, Helen, for us all to trip over. You've got a new podcast. Tell us about that.
0: It's one of those uh, sweet uh, TV episode-by-episode recap podcasts. Ah. The teen detective drama series Veronica Mars. And my co-host is Jenny Owen Youngs, who makes a podcast called Buffering the Vampire Stare, about Buffy the Vampire Stare. And uh, so far, it's very fun.
1: So, would I be right in saying you're taking a sardonic look at the show, albeit from a fan's perspective?
0: Well, there's a lot to talk about in the show, and some of it you can critique just because it's a 15-year-old show, and there are things that you would not do now, probably. And then other things where, at the time, you think, sure, or you don't think about it at all. And then when you rewatch multiple times for the purposes of podcast, you think, actually, there's something up with this. Where do you go to seek it out? vmipod.com. There we go. It's called Veronica Mars Investigations.
1: But if you want to watch along, does it cost loads of money or is it all on Amazon or whatever?
0: If you're in the States, you can get it on Hulu. In Britain, I've heard from people... A, the HMV still exists, and B, they've got cheap DVD box sets of <laughs> Veronica Mars. I bought it off Apple years ago. Uh, that's how I've got it. Right. Turns out a slightly different version to what they've got on Hulu. We've got scenes that Hulu does not have. Too dark for the American market, maybe. But also, The Illusionist is going on tour of North America. Oh, yeah. I'll be on that. Martin's on that. I'm on that. It's a very entertaining hour about smashing gender out of language, because who needs it? Listings are at theillusionist.org slash events. And we're covering quite a lot of ground, so hopefully we're coming to a town near you if you're listening in North America.
1: And remember, in the meantime, you can rediscover our cherished archive, our first 200 episodes, etc., at our website, answermethisstore.com.
0: And we will be back halfway through the month with one of our archive episodes. It will land in your feeds, and then there'll be a fresh new episode of Answer Me This on the first Thursday of November. Bye! Bye.